0: Good evening and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Andrea Combs and with me in the studio today is my husband, Hunter Combs. Today we will be discussing the topic of love and courtship. To give a bit of a background in who we are and why we have any authority to talk about this topic whatsoever, Hunter and I met in college 12 years ago in Phoenix, Arizona. I was raised here in Cape Town, South Africa, but moved to Arizona to study at the small Christian Bible college that eventually became Arizona Christian University. About a year after we met, we began to pursue a relationship that was headed towards marriage. As of December this year, we will celebrate 10 years of marriage.
1: Yeah, so we've been together for quite some time, and yeah, we've learned a couple things along the way, and we thought it would be good to share with you just some of our stories, some of our story and some of what we've learned so far. So just as we begin, I think it's always good to start with, the Word of God, uh, since that is our starting point as believers. And First John is really a book all about love. And so I just want to share a couple thoughts from First John, and then we'll talk a little bit about what is love as we get into thinking about how we pursue relationships uh, as believers. Um, so First John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so as we think about relationships, um, specifically about courtship and dating and marriage and what this means for us as believers it's such an easy downfall to look to the world look to romance movies rom-coms and think oh that's where we get our definition of love but we really need to start with the Word of God and think what is the right source of love because if you think about it love is like um, drinking from a cup of water if you're if the person you're re- getting into a relationship with, you're seeking all your love from that person. It's like having this tiny little small cup of drinking water given to you and saying, okay, this has to be enough to fill all your thirst, your needs, to wash and clean yourself. And eventually that little cup is going to run dry. But rather, if we find our source of love in God's infinite love, it's like taking a drink from Victoria Falls. It's this unending source of cleansing and refreshing water for our souls. And so instead of always going to oh, this person is going to fill me and make me happy and complete and getting our love from them, as John says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. So we have to begin with God. And so as we begin tonight, that's that's where we need to start. So, Andrea, what is love as we think about um, just a biblical definition of love and what this means as we pursue courtship.
0: Well, as you know, a very helpful book that we read last year during the hard lockdown was What Did You Expect by Ted Tripp, and he says that love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. So love is about serving the other person, not your own desires, and this is why I think a lot of relationships fail. People look for um selfish um
1: their fulfillment yeah yes they
0: look for their fulfillment in the other person rather than trying to see how they can make the other person's life better and loving them and serving them they want to be served themselves
1: yeah exactly
0: it is love is rather about seeking the glory of god though to come in and about the other person's life it's not about you you're not meant to lean on each other but rather lean on god so if your relationship with God is not the foundation of your marriage, it will crumble all too easily, like the house built on sand. If the purpose is to be served and your spouse is the Savior, then you're setting yourself up for failure. There is only one Savior.
1: Yeah, exactly. So as we said, God has to be our foundation. And a lot of sort of what we see in romantic movies is that, oh, this person completes me. This person's always there to make me feel, feel whole and happy and They really become like a little savior to you. Oh, this person. Or you think of yourself as the one saving and fixing this person Mm -hmm. rather than God being the foundation. Um, Again, as John says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So it's true. Your love for others reveals your love for God. Um, So the book we read, it's actually by Ted Tripp's brother, Paul Tripp. Um, but that's okay. Ted Tripp also (laughs) writes a very good book on parenting that we've read called shepherding a child's heart. Um, so there's an easy mix up there. Uh, but Paul Tripp has this quote as he's talking about love and he says, John is saying, and the apostle John, as he's writing is saying that if you want to know the true character and quality of your love for God, examine the quality of your relationship with a person near to you, your love for your husband or wife, or we could even say your friends, your family, your coworkers, your siblings, uh, the person you're in a relationship with is a very accurate barometer of your true love for God. And so we want you to think, just look at your relationships that you're in right now and how are you doing in those relationships? Are you really loving that person the way God has called you to? Are you selflessly seeking their good before yourself? Um, Or are you just this person? Oh, I just fell out of love with them. Meaning you don't really like them because they're doing annoying and irritating things and you just don't know how to cope with their sin. Well, we'll get into that. But what another thing that um, Ted Tripp says, sorry, Paul Tripp says (laughs) uh, is that. Uh, we need to show love for the other person, even when they're undeserving. And he says, Christ was willing to go to the cross and carry our sin precisely because there was nothing that we could ever do to earn, achieve, or deserve the love of God. So if you're interested only in loving people who are deserving, the reality is that you are not motivated by love for them, but by love for yourself. Love does its best work when the other person is undeserving. It's at these moments that love is most needed. So it's when people are really the most sinful and hard and difficult to live with that you really see, how much do I actually love this person? And that's when love is actually most needed. It's when the person's agitated, irritated, stressed out, freaked out. (laughs) I mean, we know what this is like in our relationship, and we've certainly learned when there are times when I'm having a bad day and Andrea gives me grace and patience that I need, it actually, that's when it's most needed, and vice versa. But conversely, when... One of us is stressed or both of us are stressed and we're just not giving love to each other. That's really not having that kind of selfless love that God is calling for in a relationship. We need Christ-like love that's self-sacrificing, that puts the needs of the other before ourselves.
0: Right. So if you aren't married, and by the way, if you are married, then you know exactly what we're talking about. But if you're not married at this point, you will have friends, parents, siblings, or roommates, Um, then you'll know that conflict and dealing with conflict is a natural part of life. How you deal with conflict in your current living situation, as Hunter was just saying, is a glimpse of how you will deal with it in your marriage. So where two people are together, there will obviously be friction. You guys know this, right? So you don't enter into a covenant with your siblings or parents, but you do make a covenant with your spouse. You have even more reason to make that relationship work, as it says in Matthew 19, verse 6. Jesus said, "There are no—they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate." So imagine you in your worst conflict with a parent, sibling, or roommate, or even your significant other in their worst conflict. The manner in which you tend to respond to conflict is how you will respond to each other as you experience conflict in marriage. The difference is you cannot, or at least should not, just pack up your bags and move out. When you get married, you make a lifelong covenant before God, and you must stubbornly resolve to stick through it, stick with it through thick and through thin. You can't just give up.
1: Yeah, exactly. So just think about the way you tend to deal with conflict. Do you tend to run away and slam the door when a conflict happens? Do you tend to? shut down when conflict happens, you tend to raise your voice and yell when conflict happens, you tend to get emotional and maybe cry when conflict happens. That's probably how you're going to deal with conflict once you get into a marriage and into uh, a courting relationship. Um, So you need to think about the fact that when you get married, it's not going to be butterflies and rainbows and oh, the hallelujah chorus going. I mean, it will be for a while, and then the honeymoon phase ends, and you realize, oh wait, this is another flawed, sinful human being I have to live with. And so, the way you deal with conflict—that's really one of the biggest and toughest things to work through in marriage—is conflict resolution. And just running away or shouting or however, you have to really come to a point where you die to yourself and put the other person before yourself. Learn to listen and say, okay, what what are they saying? How can I serve them even in the midst of this conflict? Um, So we see in, um, did you want to add something? No, you go ahead. Okay. We see as God made a covenant with Israel, he didn't do so because Israel was this great and wonderful nation. Uh, Rather, he made a covenant based upon his nature and his steadfast love. God's steadfast love must be the foundation or the grounding for our covenant of marriage. So if you're pursuing a courtship relationship or relationship with someone that's leading to marriage, we need to think, okay, God is the foundation, His covenant love. And so in Deuteronomy 7, this is what God says to the nation Israel. He says, it's be, or Moses says to the nation of Israel, he says, it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping an oath that he swore to your fathers. That's why he chose Israel. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. So real love does not demand reciprocation because real love isn't motivated by the return on the investment. It's not looking, ooh, if I love you, what are you going to give me in return? No, it's, it's motivated by the good that will result in the life of the person being loved. Even if that person you're in a relationship with, a coworker, a sibling, a parent, that's a difficult person, even if they do no good to you, real love is saying, what good can I do for them that will be for their benefit, even if they don't reciprocate anything for me? And as Paul Tripp says, he says, if you are interested only in loving people who are deserving, the reality is, as we said before, you're not love motivated by love for them, but by love for yourself. So really a question to ask is, do you love this person or do you love yourself? Are you ready and willing to make a lifelong commitment to this person, even when they are at their worst, even when they are in their most sort of sinful state and not really being so kind and They're kind of short with you, and uh, they make that look at you that just rubs you the wrong way. They say that thing in front of your friends, and it embarrasses you. Are you ready to make a lifelong commitment to this person? Are you faithful and committed in your current relationships? Are you a forgiving person? That's an important thing to think about. Are you able to admit when you're wrong, and are you able to apologize? Really, in any relationship, humility is crucial in preparing for a healthy marriage. So the extent that you're able to forgive and confess is the extent to which you'll be really living out the gospel. And that's what we want in our relationships, is that we're living the gospel out with this person that we're potentially entering a relationship with, Um, but in all our relationships— And so now we really want to think about um, just courtship. But before we do, um, did you have something to add to that?
0: Yes, just to say we we know that this is a lot. These are a lot of really intense questions to ask yourself. And we're not trying to overwhelm you if you are in a season of life where you are looking to pursue marriage. Um, But these are important things to think about. And these are honestly some things that we didn't really think about too seriously before we got married. Now, we knew that we wanted to pursue a lifelong commitment of marriage to one another, but um, we weren't very mature at that point. I was a couple months shy of 21, and Hunter was a couple months shy of 23. So we Mm. were really, really young. And we, we knew the basics. We knew the importance of this commitment. We knew this wasn't a fleeting fickle thing. However, we didn't really realize just how selfless we needed to be. And humility is absolutely a huge thing in marriage because without it, you're going to enter into a world of hurt and pain because you will be hurt by your spouse. And if you're only looking to be um, served by them, then you will be disappointed because truth bomb over here. Our spouse, no matter who that person is, is not perfect. And you are not perfect either. And um, we can't expect our spouses to meet all of our needs. So all of these questions we present here are really to help you think through um, the seriousness of the commitment you'd be entering into, which is marriage. So, Hunter, could you explain to us what the purpose is of courtship?
1: Yeah, it's really courtship is not it's different than dating in the world today everyone's talking about dating and they kind of try on relationships or try on a person it's like test driving a vehicle like ooh, is this one gonna work yeah don't really like this leather interior i'd rather have these different (laughs) seats and so it's kind of like that with dating it's more like testing the person out like how are they gonna fit my needs Mm -hmm. whereas courtship is really an intentional pursuit of a relationship that leads to marriage Um, it's about the content, not the cover, if you're thinking about a book analogy. You want to know what's inside the book. The the interior of that book is a whole lot more important than just this, ooh, beautiful, shiny cover. And meanwhile, you get this beautiful book with a shiny cover, and on the inside, it's a bunch of rubbish that you don't want to read. You don't want to just look at the cover. You want the content to be good. And so it's intended um, to be really... um, a pursuit into the marriage relationship. So if we think about the sort of the contrast between courtship and dating, courtship would really emphasize the spiritual and intellectual aspect of the relationship. So as you're getting into a relationship, you're really focusing more on how can I build this person up spiritually? How can I help them draw near to Christ? And how can I help them sort of um, grow as a person? intellectually or in whatever gifting God has given them. Whereas dating focuses more on the physical aspect, sort of the infatuation aspect of the relationship. Um, yeah, so there's that aspect. And I think a lot of downfall in relationships is we, even in courtship where we're pursuing marriage, it becomes sort of this Isolated. Now we're just focusing on, wow, this person's so beautiful and attractive. And I love the way she does this. And it makes me feel so good about myself. And I love the way he leads. And it just makes me feel so protected. But that's really, it has to go deeper than that. It has to go to the spiritual. How can I build this person up? Absolutely. Um, Whereas courtship also, it's involving other people. It's not just focusing on like dating would isolating from other people and rather focusing on just each other it's rather outward focused and even maybe hey how can we pursue something like how can we do ministry together how can we get out and serve people together hey let's let's get together with friends and let's be in community rather than just isolated from each other and i think Most people who are married today would say, yeah, there's probably been some point in when they're pursuing their marriage relationship, either dating or courting, that they did just sort of focus on each other and get infatuated with each other. And it's easy to fall into sin when you have that sort of emphasis on just, oh, just the other person. Um, And so rather courtship, you're wanting to be above reproach and involve other people. Another aspect of courtship is and um, enjoys activities together in groups rather than just romantic feelings of the relationship. Um, and courtship involves each other's spiritual authorities in their lives, like your pastors, your elders, your parents, your mentors. Whereas dating is more focused on an independence from authority. We do what feels right to us. And I think there's a lot of danger. If you're in a relationship with someone and your parents are saying, hey, this person's really not good news because of X, Y, and Z. Um, And your pastor's like, "Eh, that person's not really good. But you're, oh, but I just want to do what feels right. You really need to take pause and say, am I really in a relationship with the right person? And so courting, you pursue and you seek advice from authorities in each other's life. You're getting to know each other's families, not just getting to know the person as an individual because it's important that you see how that person acts and behaves when they're around their family, when they're around their siblings, when they're around their parents. You'll understand a lot more about what makes that person who they are. And even even uh, we have gotten to know so much more about each other just by spending time with each other's families. Um, even we were in the States a couple of years ago with my family. Uh, we live here in South Africa now. We have for the past three years. Uh, but we went back to visit my family, and even then, uh, just Andrea said, wow, I understand so much more of just the way you tick, the why you are the way you are, just being with your family. Not necessarily bad things, just things that are sort of idiosyncrasies and nuances like, oh, okay, that's why you value this. That's why you do this. And likewise, I we were married for how many years before we moved here? Six. Six years. And once we moved here and I started spending time with you and your family, I realized, Oh, okay, this is why you are the way you are. And even just understanding a bit more of the South African culture, oh, okay, South Africans are a bit more straightforward and blunt in the way they address issues, whereas in my upbringing, we're more sort of kept. Our thoughts to ourselves, we didn't so much you just say...
0: around the issue. Yeah,
1: you sort of gently bring up the issue. So I understood a lot more, okay, it's not that you're being mean or aggressive, it's just cultural mm-hmm. differences.
0: Family culture is huge, and that is another very important reason why you do want to spend time with your significant other's family, so that you can... Um,
1: yes, yeah, so you can get to know...
0: Yes, some of the, another side of them. You, you want to surround yourselves with the people who influenced your significant other the most, whether that's family, friends, church, community, all of the above, ideally, mm-hmm. um, that really is very important. Yeah. So there are a few main points we wanted to touch on regarding courtship and some things to be aware of. And yeah. So, um, Hunter, would you like to start us off? Yeah, on that? of
1: course. So the first sort of thought is that fools rush, but love waits. Meaning, if we just go headlong into some decision like, I love this person, this person's wonderful, they're going to make my life just so beautiful and perfect, and you just rush into it without even considering those authorities, you can end up (laughs) in a very bad situation because you're now in a covenant with this person for the rest of your life. The Bible is very clear. This is a lifelong commitment. It's not like, eh, you can just sort of throw it away after a while.
0: Right, and in Proverbs 19, verse 2, it tells us that desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. The most important human relationship in your life will be your spouse. So you want to be sure that you take the time before entering into this lifelong commitment. This is not a decision you want to rush into on an emotional whim. Patience is wielded as a weapon of character. Proverbs 16, verse 32 tells us that better a patient person than a warrior— one with self-control than one who takes a city. Now, we're not exactly talking about taking over a city, but we believe that the covenant relationship we enter into will impact future generations. So together, you and your spouse will raise your children who will in turn raise their children. And this will continue for generations to come. So you can see you want to be certain you marry someone whose faith, convictions, and life calling align with yours. Because you and your spouse will leave a legacy that will impact the world whether for good or for evil. So no pressure.
1: Yeah, so we really need to think more long-term in terms of marriage and our relationships because it is, it is going to impact future generations. I mean, you see the sins of people in the Bible impacting entire generations. I mean, you have these huge genealogies in the life of Christ. And think about that person at the very forefront of the genealogy. It impacted the entire family, an entire people group, an entire nation. So think about relationships are about building nations, not just, oh, what's going to feel good for the next five minutes? No, you need to think <laughs> long-term. So fool's rush, love waits. And in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, it says the first sort of uh, attribute of love, it says love is patient. And the fruit of the Spirit, it highlights patience in there. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. So we need to really pursue a relationship with patience, realizing we want to make a right decision as we're entering this. Another sort of um, downfall we'll talk about just in a second um, is about the person who's always sort of hesitating and never actually entering into the relationship. So there's the other side of rather being foolish and just rushing in headlong, but rather, okay, the person who waits so long that they end up being 85 years old and single. Um, But you wanted to...
0: Yes, no, just continuing on that vein, it has become all too um, common for us to fall into a state of analysis paralysis. I'm sure you've heard of this phenomenon before. We overthink every little detail. We either remain in a season of singleness or bail on existing romantic relationships for countless little reasons, such as the fear of being hurt or idiosyncrasies that annoy us, thinking our romantic interest doesn't live up to our expectations, etc., etc. So this leaves many in a state of perpetual waiting. We get so caught up with the idea of meeting the one that we miss out on getting to know the incredible people right in front of us. And to quote the movie Serendipity, it's like in that moment the whole universe existed just to bring us together. But here's the reality. You will never find the perfect person because marriage is the union of two flawed people. So the next and pretty important um, topic we wanted to discuss was the topic, uh, the issue of self-love or self-sacrifice. Hunter, do you want to?
1: Yeah. So with that, it's really thinking through, is Christ the source of love in your relationship or are you finding your sufficiency somewhere else? Do you love the other person or do you love yourself? Uh, Do I find my sufficiency from Christ alone? Or rather, am I finding my sufficiency from this person? Uh, Here are a couple of quotes from just um, sort of romantic quotes that I found on the internet. And one is from Jerry Maguire, the movie. It says, I love you. You complete me. (laughs) And there is a sense in which many people are thinking, well, I'm incomplete. I'm, I'm lacking. There's something inadequate in me. So rather, I need this person to complete me. But rather, it becomes all about you about this person making you feel good. And really, we fall into this idolatry in our relationships when we do that. And the Bible is very clear in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. And so we need to be sure that Christ is at the center of everything we are and everything we do. Um, And so are we loving the other person or are we loving ourselves by just looking for someone who makes me feel good about myself? Another aspect we want to think about is, are we artificial or authentic? Are we truly being um, people who actually live in the light? Or are we sort of hiding our sinful nature, hiding sort of the nastier parts of ourselves to make ourselves sort of look good? And I think when we do that, it becomes this sort of perfectionism that we're wanting to put on this perfect little exterior for the other person. And really, it becomes really legalism where, oh, Mm -hmm. I do all these good things and look how wonderful I am. Meanwhile, inside, I'm just this spiritually broken and messed up person. In a relationship, there needs to be this openness, this humility, this transparency, this repentance before Mm. each other.
0: Yes, it's it's not impossible to keep those things locked away from family and friends, but you absolutely cannot expect to have a lasting and loving relationship if you keep those negative aspects of yourself from your significant other. So transparency, as difficult as it can be, to open yourself up to that, the vulnerability side or the vulnerable side of your relationship is absolutely crucial if you want to have a lasting relationship. Because they will find out down the road. It may be a few days, it may be years from then but they will find out. So you need to be your authentic self and not fake your way into marriage.
1: Yeah. And so we're reaching the end of our time together, but we really want you just to think through some of these different aspects of uh, relationships and especially courtship rather than dating, because we think courtship is really the way that God has designed for relationships to be, not just trying someone out, test driving them, but really thinking long-term. This is about... This is one of the most important relationships of your life. Your two most important relationships is your relationship with God and your relationship with your future spouse. So as 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good night and God bless.